George, way off. It's the side of the backboard. Take that for data. Adams gives it back to Rush. Deep shot. Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is Daddy's Fantasy Basketball League Podcast. I'm your host, Cam Daig, and with me, as always, are my two co-hosts, Gabe Sabarzo. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm going to be up front. I didn't watch a ton of NBA this week because I watched a lot of college basketball this week. I have Loyola in my final four in the money bracket with Zach. So I'm rooting on Sister Jean and the boys. Let's go, Sister Jean <laughs> and Zach Mueller. Yes, sir. Get to see Bowie this week. Going to be a bad week. <laughs> like in person, right? He's coming into Dallas. Yeah, he is. He'll be here this weekend. We all get to bully him, whoever wants to come out. And <laughs> That'll be fun. Um, yeah, uh, like you mentioned, Gabe, March Madness was this week. Uh, honestly, I don't know about you guys, but it kind of snuck up on me. Um, it was just kind of here, but then like we've had just upset after upset. Uh, it's been really, really fun. Uh, what's been y'all's favorite part of March Madness so far? Mine has has to be that Connolly decided to sit out the season in fantasy basketball, comes back, makes a March Madness bracket, and guess right where he's sitting in a like twenty plus field. Is he number one? It's, it's first place. Of course. He just he uh, he's just he has the fantasy touch. I don't know what it is, but when he joins the league, he knows what he's doing, no matter what sport it seems like. So a lot of you guys know Luke. Uh his brother and if you don't luke's just a really good friend of uh zach and i who we roomed with but anyway Uh his brother uh who hasn't watched a single bit of college basketball for probably like the past four years he made a bracket uh just randomly i'm pretty sure he was like half drunk but he made a bracket and he is in the uh top 100 percent for an espn bracket and uh like he still has like his his entire elite eight is still intact and uh, he's just got a ridiculous bracket. He was sending me pictures today and I was like, dude, of course it's always the ones that like have no prior knowledge to college basketball or even like a ton of basketball insight that do really well on those. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. Zach, talking about, uh, talking about actual uh, games. I, I was telling Daniel that like, basketball is in its purest form when it's being dominated by a bald white guy cameron <laughs> cameron crutwig on loyola Dude. for example alex caruso at AM in the lakers joe ingles for the jazz like it's just basketball in its purest form and it should be enjoyed <laughs> yeah dude he's a beast zach uh, what's been your favorite part so far uh probably has to be abilene christian beating texas <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> I uh, I set that one up on a tee for you. You're you're welcome, Ramsey. Uh, yeah, was, uh, we were out at a bar watching that game, and that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Everybody's reaction, big R, 
Uh, he had his complete final four washed away after four days. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> you hate to see that's this. about yeah, Big R's luck with impressive. sports gambling. Um, yeah, he had Purdue, Illinois, Texas, and Iowa. Those were his four. Wow, wow. that's rough. That's brutal. That's rough. Um, yeah, no, the Texas just absolutely being crapped on on social media was one of the funniest things ever man like it came from all sides it was like all the big 12 schools were in on it then like all the national schools like big national schools were in on it a&m all the texas schools were of course in on it but it was dude it was kind of brutal did y'all see the uh stat from that game actually let me see if i can pull it up there was only one stat from that game no, so the main stat, it said ACU, so Abilene Christian, became the first team in the NCAA tournament history to win a game despite shooting under 30% from the field and under 20% from three. Yeah, just... so not only did Texas blow it to Abilene Christian, Abilene Christian played like ass and still beat them. <laughs> you hate to see that. Oh god! I know Shaka Smart was already on the hot seat, so he uh, th- that one could have put the nail in the coffin. Who knows? I feel, I just feel like Texas sports have to be one of the biggest laughing stocks out of anyone right now. Like the Cowboys are in the NFL, it's got to be the Longhorns in college. <clears throat> well, this is an NBA podcast, so although we watched college basketball, there was some NBA games that went on this week um we we had some good ones and in fact there was a big streak that was broken uh gabe do you want to start us off with your houston rockets who uh yeah bro we uh we beat the raptors let's um, go the, baby the raptors are in shambles by the way they have the longest losing streak in the nba now at nine games and this was a team that was like fighting for a conference title at the beginning of the year supposedly so I don't know, man. They might, uh, they they might be tearing it down. And so, uh, but on the Rockets side, it felt good to get a win. Um, it did take John Wall and Christian Wood both playing through their minutes limits that were set originally and in a back to back. So, like, it, thankfully nothing bad happened. But I mean, both those guys are coming off injuries, and like it could have been worse. But I'm happy. We got a, a win. John Wall triple doubles for the first time since uh, what, like 2016, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, my boy Jay Sean Tate had a had a pretty good game as well. I'm telling you, bro, he's good. And like he he's not even like top. He's not even on people's radars for Rookie of the Year. But I'm telling you, he he should at least be up there for Rookie of the Year. You think? No, but he should be on he, top five in voting or top six. Like I don't know. He uh. He, He's pretty good. No, he I, was I, uh, he was undrafted, like, right? Yeah, that's. Right. I really like the John Wall triple double. Except, uh, did you see what his field goal percentage was? Yeah, he doesn't shoot very efficiently. That's like the Rockets trademark. That whole trade, everyone that was involved in that trade, Jared Allen, Victor Oladipo. Uh, Jared Allen shoots the best out of all of them. But then Victor Oladipo, Karis Levert. And then John Wall, Russell Westbrook, like all these, all these people changing hands coming through Houston. Like the common denominator <laughs> is they are all just really, really inefficient shooters at times. And uh, John Wall is not exempt from that list. 
Which that's kind of funny, uh, like because the Rockets organization prior to this year was all about like efficiency. Efficient. Yeah, I know. I don't know what the uh, what they put in the in the coffee down there in Houston, but <laughs> I, I'm just glad we got the win. I uh, John Wall did triple double. Christian Wood had a slow first half and ended up uh, uh, scoring a little bit more in the second half. So I don't know. Uh, hopefully this takes the attention off of getting a win and more on developing our players, seeing what we have, and seeing if we can get a trade for Victor Oladipo worth literally anything. <laughs> Did y'all set an NBA record with that losing streak? No, NBA record is 29, I believe. Oh, wow. And we were at 20. You... So we were, we were about a third of the way there, or two-thirds of the way there, I mean. I do believe you cracked the top five, though. <clears throat> Yeah, we did. And I do think that, like, franchise-wise, this was one of the longest in the franchise history. Attacking you. Yeah. Zach, feel free to mute yourself while you and Katie <laughs> fight each other. I thought I did mute but <laughs> the dog's over here trying to bite her. Oh, God. Uh, well, if you just drop out, we know that Katie's probably dead. Um, Well... Gabe, I'll go ahead and talk about the Thunder because uh, the Thunder. Okay, but before we talk about the Thunder. Okay, okay, like, cool. Is, is, like, should Dagnall, how did you say we say it now? Okay, so I heard Dagnall, and then this, literally this week, my guys, my Thunder podcast guys who know a lot, they, uh-huh. they shortened his name and called him Coach Daig, which I was like, dude, that's dope. So I'm not giving up on the Daig. <laughs> the Dagnall thing okay. yet. So go back to Dagnall. Okay, well this, this Coach Dag, should he be in consideration for Coach of the Year? Like, legit. They, I know. The, the, the organization sat Lou Dort for a fake toe injury, and they still <laughs> won. They still won. Bro, it wasn't like, even he, just Lou Dort. He's out lineups of, I know, no, Baisley's out. Like, Horford's uh, been out. way out. It, like, the, the starting lineup was like, Pokushevsky was in there. Moses Brown was in there. Maladon was in there. Like, it was like a bunch of players who didn't even start at the beginning of the year. Their average age, I saw, was younger than the Oklahoma Sooners, like, <laughs> March yeah. Madness team. Like, they were all so young, and they still won. Like, I don't, oh, no, I man. just, it makes no sense. Shea's amazing, but legit, this coach should be in the running for coach of the year. For, for the 12th seed. I know, man. I know. So... <laughs> uh so yeah so about that rockets game so that is uh that was the second youngest lineup uh starting lineup in nba history it was the youngest lineup in nba history to win a game and do you know who the youngest lineup is or do you have a guess for which team rolled it out there uh, I feel like I've looked it up before, but I don't remember. It's not the Thunder anytime this year or last no. year or the so last couple of years. The youngest team, the youngest starting five ever in NBA history is uh-huh. uh, it's from the 2017 Phoenix Suns. Wow. So fun fact, though, that is the game that Devin Booker dropped 70 points. And I, I know I had no idea that that was that game. So, you know, like the, uh, the thing where Devin Booker's like holding up a piece of paper with a 70 on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's from that game. That was the youngest starting lineup in NBA history, which I had no idea. So that that was something I learned today, but they ended up losing that game. So it didn't even matter. Um, 
But anyway, yeah, the Thunder and their coaching staff are just incredible, man. Like, I, I honestly feel bad for Sam Presti because there's been, like, a clear attempt for him to go up to the coaches and say, hey, you will rest these players. You will, oh, yeah, like, literally. go with these lineups that are going to lose games. <laughs> and, and it's just, dude, it's the craziest thing because it feels like for forever, whenever we had uh, Russ, KD, um, and those guys – like we could not figure out the fifth starter or like we always struggled with players off the bench, like being productive for us. And now it's just like, we have the Midas touch. So like last week mm-hmm. I was talking about the Svi Mahaluk uh, yeah, acquisition. He, he's pretty good. Uh, I told you if you've seen, he's pretty good. He dude, he <laughs> balled out. I think against oh, the Rockets, you. right? Like, didn't he hit? Uh, yeah. Hold on. Let me look Coming this into up. The league, he had like a clay Thompson, player comp like he's pretty good dude yeah he had 15 points in 21 minutes against you guys like yeah you were talking like he was just gonna rot at the end of you like a trevor ariza or something that y'all could maybe get something else for but no bro he's good I, i'm shocked Steven diallo i i'm shocked like i honestly like i just have no words anymore i don't understand this team i'm gonna i'm gonna stop guessing like what's gonna happen because i just i have no idea like we beat you guys which i mean obviously y'all have been really bad uh this year so i don't really hold that doesn't hold a ton of water uh but then we turn yeah. around and beat the uh timberwolves you know and like right. the timberwolves have exactly like they haven't been good either but it's just like that game honestly was a great representation of like uh the contrast between two organizations that are just in polar opposite directions yeah, of where like they're at good, good culture and bad yeah culture exactly and you know they're a team that wants to win but they just like they can't they're horrible like even with right. y'all's 20 uh 20 game losing streak like the Timberwolves are still worse than y'all and that's just hard to fathom honestly yeah um and so it's close though like trust if we yeah. if there was like a like who can lose worse battle we would we would give them a run for their money yeah so it's crazy <laughs> man the thunder are uh, they're just awesome like they just play super hard this coaching staff deserves a ton of credit shay's incredible like you said but even when we sit in we still are competitive so right um so i'll be interested to see what happens at the trade deadline uh we got a lot of names that i that we would be willing to trade like you yeah. can have pretty much anybody on this roster uh, for the right yeah. price. And hey, uh, his first minutes for the Heat. Yep, don't care. So, uh, yeah. Yep, don't care about that guy at all. Former, it's fine. Thank, former, yeah. former, uh, thanks, thanks for the uh, second round pick. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, man. So, I, I'll probably have more to say as far as, like, trades go. I hope we're super active. Um, I'd be fine with trading, honestly, this whole roster. Like, I'd be totally cool with it. Uh, just because Sam Presti doesn't lose trades, and uh, the more trades he makes, like the the bigger winners we are. So that. that's kind of the Thunder update. Zach, are you back from the uh, massacre of the dogs? Daddy's back. Okay, awesome. <laughs> and a, a dog bite incident. Uh oh. Oh no. Uh, All good. Okay. 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 Good. Do yeah. you uh you want to give us an update on the maps? Yeah, before that, I was just going to say the the way you're talking about the Thunder, it really reminds me of when uh, the Mavs had Yogi Ferrell in that era when I was uh, paying extra attention to a really shitty team and trying to take the positives with the little that I had. It just reminds me of that time for you right now. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. 
it's really enjoyable. I mean, we have like a lot of young players that are actually fun to watch, and you had Yogi Ferrell, so it's a little bit different. I I can't name names right now, but Yogi and a few others. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Was Harrison Barnes uh, on that team at that point? Harrison uh, Harrison Barnes came the following year. They did play together, I think, like one year. Okay. Okay. I don't think Yogi showed out. Who would have been y'all's like big? Cause, cause Yogi Ferrell like uh, spurned y'all to go to the Kings or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. He left, like out of nowhere, and then he did nothing on the. Kings. Yeah. I did not understand. Like he actually had a solid role here, but it probably worked out for the best. He had like three really good games in a row. It's like a Len Sanity type deal. That's funny. Yeah. Um, but the Mavs update, I think the last pod we did, they had just lost that first game to the Clippers. Um, the second one, we ended up beating them by like 15 or 16 points. Um, I don't know if y'all saw the memes, but Paul George literally couldn't stand up getting his ankles broken all game. Oh yeah. Um, then we played a back to back with the Blazers. So honestly, like this five game stretch was probably the Mavs. I think it's their toughest five-game stretch uh, throughout this whole second half of the season. So we played the Nuggets at the at Denver, then we played the Clippers twice at home, and then we played at the Blazers twice. Um, I was praying to just go like two and three or three and two. We ended up going three and two. We beat the Nuggets and then split both series with those other teams. So honestly, that is a huge win to me because – um, I, I was really worried we were going to lose some ground here, but we actually gained a game over those five games. So um, that was really big for us. Um, even the Clippers game we lost, we ended up losing by 10, but it was a lot closer. And then that Blazers game we lost, like they just outshot us, but we actually played a good game. So we didn't get blown out ever. And then uh, I don't know if y'all saw that last Blazers-Mavs game. We beat them by 40, and Luca shot 8 of 9 from 3. So you like to see that, Cam? Yeah. yeah. Dude, I, I saw – Sorry, go ahead. Phone, go ahead. Good night. I was going to say that Zach posted it, and I was like, what? The, Luca really shot that? But that's all I had to say. Go ahead, Cam. Well, I saw – he. so his three-point shooting on the year, he's up to like 37% or something like that, right? Yeah, you remember when you were slandering him for quite a while? Well, he deserved it, but like that actually makes it insane because it like at one point he was at like nineteen percent. So if you just cut out <clears throat> like that nineteen percent, he's got to be like well over forty during oh, yeah. these past like what two or three months. Yeah, a lot of those like step backs or shots have been passed where you'd look at it and you're like, dang, that's a bad shot. Right now they're good shots. Like he is not missing. So he'll still have his occasional game. He goes like three of ten from three, but honestly, I'll still take that with everything else he's doing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if he's shooting anywhere near fifty percent from three in a game, you're probably gonna have a tough time beating us unless you're on fire too. Um. So the Mavs are in a lot of trade rumors currently. Um, Zach, if you had to rank your top three. Uh, in hopes of players you you want the Mavericks to trade for, where would you uh where would you rank the players? Uh, well, I mean, in 
fantasy land, I would probably put Beal at number one, but we're not getting that. Sorry, um, I uh, I wasn't just saying you could have any player in the NBA. Like these are realistic well, you, trade targets. You, you got to give me the the trades that you've heard that you're thinking you want me to range. So okay, gotcha. Uh, so I think John Collins is one that I've heard a lot of. I'm not sure how y'all make that work. I think Maxi Kleba would have to be in it. Um, the Orlando guys, so Evan Fournier, uh, and Aaron Gordon. I've heard a lot of you mentioned Norman Powell before the podcast. Um, let's see, Andre Drummond is in there. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, if I had to order them, I'd probably put John Collins at the top. I think that's the the best. I heard Rashawn Holmes too. Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, I mean we need help down low, no doubt. But, yeah, pretty much any any big that like is rumored to be a trade is rumored to Dallas as well. Well, <laughs> the the thing is, like we have plenty of bigs, but we don't have any big that plays big. Like we yeah. need a big man that actually plays like a big man. Yeah. And everyone's worried about spacing, and I get it. But at the same time, like, what is Dwight Powell's spacing doing for us when he sucks ass every game? Like, what yeah. is what is that when he can't get a rebound? So. Um, I I don't think Drummond is the answer, but if we could get Drummond for something really low, like maybe just straight up Dwight Powell in a second round pick, I would 100% be okay with that. Um, if we could, well, and it, it's also kind of like a rental because if it worked out, then at the end of the year you could end up paying him if you really wanted to. So I I don't see too much risk in that. Um, the whole John Collins trade, I really liked. It would be really tough to see Kleba go because he's been such like an integral part of our, our main core we have right now. But, um, I mean, if we're getting a guy like Collins, I think he definitely has a much higher ceiling than Maxi. Um, but I don't, I don't know, man. Maxi's been shooting really good, and he's a really good defender. So I feel like a lot of people in here would hear that name and be like, oh, of course John Collins is better, but... I don't think it's, like, crazy how much of a difference it would be. And, uh, I mean, obviously, I think we'd have to throw in a pick with that one, too. Oh, you uh, definitely would. Uh, in fact, it would probably take one to two picks. My only concern on the John Collins thing, you, if you trade for him, you have to max him out this summer. And if yeah. you're maxing him this summer, like, that's your team. That That is your team going forward, like, that's what Luca has to work with for the next four years is him, KP, and John Collins. Is that enough for a championship contender would kind of be my concern on that trade. Well, it depends if you're actually going to have a real shot at getting any of the, the actual superstars in the league, which last I checked, I don't see anyone like Hawaii or anything even mentioning Dallas. So if that's what it's going to be, that's fine. Because honestly, I don't care to have a straight-up super team. I kind of hate the idea of just having like three or four insane guys on one team. I think it's dumb, honestly. But um, uh, of course I would take it. Like if LeBron wanted to <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> but it, like, it makes you hate it, honestly. Like other teams hate you, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't really want to be that type of team. So like 
I think with the duo we have now, KP ends up playing a little better, which he has been better overall, but there's been games he he's still – like I think one of the games this past week he scored like 10 points, had like four or five rebounds. Like that's not going to cut it. But, um, yeah, I mean, we definitely need to add that third piece. And then if we could get like a third piece that's not a big, we, we also need to add like a straight-up big man like we've been talking about. So it'll be very interesting. And I as far as like Norman Powell – uh, I think Fournier would be a decent fit. Um, I don't want to give up much for him. And then Powell, same thing. Like, I think he'd be okay, but it's just, like, I don't want to really give up anything for those guys. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to give up something. That's how trades work. Yeah, but... no, I mean, uh, we'd have to give up something, but I just – I, I don't know. I would not want to be giving up Fournier for like a first because isn't he going to be a rental too? I think his contract. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. I think that's right. So like yeah. any rental players, I do not want to give up anything more than like a second and a crappy player. Because I mean, who would do that? You know, that's why Drummond hasn't been traded. No one wants to give them value for a guy that they know he's going to leave either way. So. Yeah, I do think like the rich get richer kind of. NBA mentality not mentality but like is it's a byproduct of like buyouts existing and like I don't know like uh, salary matching and trades just like the way that some of this stuff like the way that contracts work in the NBA versus some other sports I feel like like who would trade for Andre Drummond if he can just get bought out and then you sign him off waivers for the vet minimum because he just got 26 million dollars you know like who like I feel like you should have to be compensated in some way. Like, even if you have to give up a second round pick to rent somebody for a year, like the way that buyouts and some of this other stuff works, like there's no reason for like anybody to trade for Horford or for Drummond or for the LaMarcus Aldridge, because they're all at the back end of their contracts, back end of their careers. And they're not going to be with their teams that they're on right now for long anyways. And so, it just makes yeah. the environment really uh, like it. It just like it. It makes the trade market like I don't know, volatile and not really worthwhile. Almost. No, I completely agree with all that. Like I 100% agree. It's it's not really fair that it they can get bought out and then just piggyback onto a team. Yeah, like Blake Griffin signed for the vet minimum. Like why would anybody have traded for Blake Griffin if? Like, you could just get him for free. They didn't have to give up Landry Shamit or a, a second-round pick. Like, they didn't have to give up anything. And so, like, obviously, why wouldn't you do that, you know? like Yeah. I mean no, – I, And I think that's what's going to end up happening. He gets bought out. But honestly, can the Cavs be like, F you, and then just not – I think that's what's happening right now is he's like they're like, oh, you're not playing anymore. So I will yeah, say but... on the buyout market – like, what's the last buyout player that actually made an impact on anything? Right, but it's just silly because it like if the, if they don't have to give up an asset like a future asset, then they can be good for longer. You get what I'm saying? Like, if they don't have to give up a young player or a future asset, then that team is just like it's you're building a dynasty without giving anything up. You know? It, well, I can already tell you, I have a strong feeling he's going to either the Lakers or the Nets, and it's going to be stupid when he does. Uh, yeah, why wouldn't you? If you're a ring-chasing legacy, like holding 
player who's at the back end of their career. Like that's what you should do as a player. I mean, but it but just we do this every year. We're always like we get so excited about the buyout market. We're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that guy went to yeah. that team. Like it's over, and then like that's well, never how it ends up happening. It's not about this year impact for me though. It's about the the system existing and the future not being compromised for a team that wants to win now. Yeah, like, it has nothing to do with. I don't think Andre Drummond is more than a rotational piece in a in a championship team. But like, why could you get the, one of the best rebounders to ever play basketball for free, even if he's like old and has a horrible offensive game? You know, like it. it it's just it's uh, it's a weird system. It's, it it's just really not fair to the team that's having to give him up for nothing. Right. You don't get yeah. So okay, but but here's the thing, like they didn't give hardly anything up to get Andre Drummond in the first place, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Nobody I agree. wanted him. Yeah. It was a super weird signing actually. Yeah, nobody it wasn't even him. a signing, it was a trade. But yeah. anyway, like here's the thing is, is if you don't want him to go to the Lakers, like let's say you're the Mavericks, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, he's going to go to the Lakers for free. Like that's so stupid. How do we ever compete with that? Give the Cavs a second round pick and you can have Andre Drummond. Like that's how you prevent him from going to the Lakers if you're that worried about it. Like if you're a contender, yeah. give up a second round pick. That's all it takes. But, but I mean, the, the, the Cavs have to give up to yeah. that as well too. I mean, but why would the Cavs not agree to that? Like the Cavs, the Cavs are gonna have to buy him out. If anyone called for Andre Drummond, they would. Right now, and they're trying to pick which one they want. Wait, what'd you say, Zach? I said I feel like they're getting terrible offers right now and trying to pick which one they want. No, a buyout happens because there's no offers. Oh, I understand, but I feel like there could be. They're waiting on a good enough offer, and they're not getting it yet. But they're just gonna keep waiting. That's what I think's happening. <clears throat> I I don't really understand that because I think if anybody offered a second round pick, they would accept it because they know right now they're going to have to buy him out and literally that's just money on their books that is going to Andre Drummond, a player that's not playing for them anymore. And all I'm saying is that like for if you're not the Lakers or the Nets at this point, like the, the Lakers or the Nets should never in a million years offer a second round pick because they're going to get him anyways. But now the worst team is having to give up a future asset. That's where it's unfair to me. You get what I'm saying? It's like giving the best team the best waiver priority every single week in a in a fantasy league, kind of. It like it doesn't have a huge impact because the waiver guys aren't that big of a deal. But the one case that it is, or like the fact that it exists. And like for a long time in the future is why it is a silly rule you get what i'm saying i, I yeah I, I i do get what you're saying like i i understand i one i just don't think it's a big deal but two i just like it's player empowerment right like the team teams yeah, don't have like okay whatever teams but. do not have to buy players out like this this has been fabricated in like NBA minds, which I think uh, player agents have done a really good job of like, well, if he's not going to play for a contender, like he's just not going to play, you know, like player agents have done a good job of saying that. And like a team teams have now just come to the conclusion that they're just going to buy players out. I will tell you from from experience, the Thunder have no intentions of ever buying a player out like the only 
like Trevor Ariza is a perfect example. Everybody thought Trevor Ariza was going to be a buyout candidate. Like from the start of the season, he never got even close to the organization. He never put the jersey on and everybody thought, oh, this guy's getting bought out. That is not the mentality that the Thunder have, right? Like they're just sitting there and they're like, no, we're not going to buy this guy out. Even if it's just a a crappy second round pick, like that's better than nothing. Like we're not going to buy the player out. And like they make it very clear to the player. I will say there is one exception. Like we just traded for Myers Leonard. We, unless he's involved in a trade, we will be buying him out. But that is for reasons <laughs> not because of like NBA purposes. Well, they, the Heat were also getting rid of him, and they didn't want to buy him out, so they're like, whatever, Correct. ship him out to the first trade. They just attach him, staple into the first trade that comes in. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I I don't know. I I I, like, I differ I, in I opinion. I'm pro player, you know, like, uh, like make, um, like give the players more of a say, but it also is a weird situation where like, if, I don't know, like I'm pro (laughs) player, but I don't think that buyouts are the best way to accomplish that. If that makes sense. That's fair. We've also spent way too much time talking about the buyout market. So, uh, (laughs) do you guys have anything else before we move on here? I heard that some people were calling Aaron for Aaron Gordon for two firsts from the Rockets, and Aaron Gordon just straight up didn't want to go to the Rockets. He, <laughs> he turned it down. Why are y'all <laughs> trading for Aaron Gordon? That is a whole That's separate. I was, too. So I was like, okay, maybe we dodged a bullet, but like, <laughs> you I don't know, man. First of all, who does Aaron Gordon think he is? <laughs> that he's going to like go compete somewhere, and but second of all, I was like, wait. What what is our what is that GM thinking? Yeah, what are the magic allowing him to dictate? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm confused. Terrible for Cyrus, man. Yeah, Yeah, me too, dude. He looks stressed. Yeah, bro. It's poor guy finally gets a head coaching job and then just gets the shortest end of a stick that imaginable. Yeah, it's rough out here. Well, hey guys, let's move on to more of like the fantasy side of things um some big matchups this week and we're gonna start with the biggest it was the championship game between me and zach and uh hate to tell you buddy but uh your boy came in clutch i got the win uh i ended up taking our matchup four three and one it was a nail biter the whole way but i pulled it out Four categories that I won were free throw percentage, three-pointers made, assist, and points. Three categories that Zach won were field goal percentage, rebounds, and blocks. And we ended up tying in steals. Uh, Zach, do you have any words for your uh, your championship loss here? Just trash. I, got... <laughs> I want to say, let's see, what did I get? Did I get four games from the Mavs or did I only get three? I don't even know. But um, one thing that has really hurt me over the past few weeks is, what was it, Gobert and the Jazz. I think they only played like two games last week or something. And then um, Lonzo is now battling a hip injury. So those definitely hurt me. But, I mean, as far as like the categories you won, I – had I had anyone else play, I probably win three pointers made because you only won by two. And then um, the steals, that was a toss up all week. So, I mean, I, I knew you were going to win assists. Um, 
free throw, it was kind of close for a while. Uh, and then um, points, you were smacking me the whole week. So I knew it was probably going to end somewhere around here, but I wish we had one more steal so it could have gone 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I unless I win every matchup from here on out by a good amount, I'm not making playoffs. So. And go bear. go bear and the Jazz had three games. This yeah, week. buddy. Three games. That's not a lot. I mean, no, it's not. Average, that's a that's a that's a short week. Uh, on average, you get yeah. four. Yeah, four. Sometimes five. Sometimes three. But yeah, four. At is least you get five. Average. You're you're living good. Yeah. That that's the disadvantage to uh, fantasy basketball. It's not really a fair setup. <laughs> but Russell, you know what? There's been weeks where I've had five and I win because of that. So bro, Russell Russell Westbrook played all four games and averaged 39 minutes in each game too. Oh yeah, and John Wall. How did I forget that? He played yeah. like one game last week. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. Gabe, did so. you uh, have any analysis on our matchup here? Yeah. So this is the uh, another revenge game. Russell Westbrook, Rudy Gobert face off early trade, and I think it is safe to say that Russell Westbrook put the team on his back this week. He had more than double the assists of anyone else on your team. He had 53 assists this week. No one else on your team had more than 24. And to his credit, he shot well, which when he does that, he is legit like a top 10, top 20 fantasy basketball player. So uh, that was good to see from Russ. Um, I think it is worth noting as well that the injury to LaMelo Ball, um, it's likely going to lead to an increase in usage for Gordon Hayward. But will it be enough? for both the Hornets and Cam's fantasy team to make a playoff push? I would say um, a resounding Zach, no to both of those questions, <laughs> but I like it. Hey, bro, we still, we still got two months of basketball. <laughs> we'll you see. never know. We'll see. Um, and then for Zach, I was going to say, there's not much to say here. Like uh, Zach said, he's, he's mentioned a lot of uh, just unfortunate um, – either injuries or short game weeks. He lost a couple of close categories, and team played pretty well overall, but just not quite enough. That was, that was it? Yeah, you know that show, A Series of Unfortunate Events? That's my season. That's your season. Just started off, COVID protocol, out two weeks, <laughs> yeah, and then it true. has not gone uphill since. <laughs> well, that's just because it's a bad team in general. Moving on to our next matchup here, we had uh, Bowie versus Garrett. Uh, so Bowie ends up taking this one in a big way. A 7-1 to win for Bowie over Garrett. Uh, the only category that Garrett won was steals. Bowie won all the rest. Uh, also quite the discrepancy in matchup acquisitions as Bowie had five and Garrett did not have any. Um, so Gabe, what was uh, the analysis on this matchup? Yes, the uh, the theme team matchup, as they both have sported their four-letter abbreviations in honor of the <laughs> other. But, um, yeah, for Bowie's team, Bowie had a really, really good week this week. He won uh, free throw percentage rebounds and points and was first overall on the week in all of those categories. Um, Damian Lillard was perfect from the stripe this week on 36 attempts, um, so that uh, boosted his free throw percentage, obviously. Dwight Howard actually led his team in rebounds, and he's playing well in the absence of Joel Embiid, uh, leading uh, Bowie's team in rebounding with 41. Um, pretty good pickup there. And uh, then Damon Kyrie 
led the way in scoring for his team, combining for 241 points. Um, I think the thing to note with Bowie's team is that LeBron's timeline for mm-hmm. returning from this high ankle sprain is going to be like extremely close to our fantasy playoffs, which actually start in about a month. They start April 26th, and today's March 23rd. So um, you're going to miss at least four weeks probably for LeBron um, dealing with a high ankle sprain like this. LeBron is extremely durable, um, and we're going to have to see what the AD timeline looks like, what the rest of the team is playing like. They were they were losing to the Pelicans, and they started um, the 10-day contract player named, like, Kaycock or something at center today. So they are uh, kind of hurting for uh, a big men defenders, and Steven Adams was just obliterating him in the short amount of time that I was watching. And uh, I think he got benched for Montrez Harrell who is not known for his defense. But anyways, I'm getting off track. But anyways, uh, <laughs> AD and LeBron, uh, for Bowie's team, specifically LeBron, is going to need to return pretty much at full strength for his team to um, continue to win in the playoffs. Bowie's going to make the playoffs and probably get a bye in that first week, which could bode very useful. But um, he's really going to need LeBron for that final stretch of games if he wants to win the league like he is competing for. For Garrett's team, uh, rough field goal percentage uh, week. It's it's so strange to me that Garrett continues to struggle with field goal percentage, but it's like it just is different players every week. And I say that because he has Jokic, who takes a ton of shots and makes a ton of shots and shoots like 55% every week. But... Um, This week, it was actually, so CJ McCollum struggled shaking the rust off, shooting 35% on 65 shots. Tyler Hero has been really struggling. Um, Really bad. He only shot 29% on 55 shots. He's he's afraid of getting traded is what I uh, have heard. So he's like making sure that he value until until Thursday. And then he told me um, (laughs) he's going to turn back up. (laughs) <laughs> good to know good to know and then, uh, insider sources and then john morant uh he completes this trifecta of poor shooting and he only went 20 of 59 from the field to 33 percent but yeah those three usually it's uh like anthony edwards and a couple others but anthony edwards actually was he's been playing pretty uh, like a lot better lately it was just these three that um submarined his field goal percentage this week so yeah that was that matchup Zach, did you uh, have any thoughts on this matchup here? Yeah, I sent it in the uh, chat a little bit ago, I think yesterday. Just the Reggie Miller choking to uh, Gary because <laughs> his team is choking right now on his hopeful yeah. playoff run. <clears throat> I'm hoping to be able to at least fight back, but right now he's had about six more guys play than me. So <laughs> we'll see. I respect it. Are y'all playing each other this week? Yeah, we are. Hey, hey. And uh, the one day I forget to set my lineup, go bear nine blocks. Hate to see, that. <laughs> Hate to see it. Hate and to you see get it. called out by the entire league. Love to yeah, see Garrett, that. I was, yeah. actually, I was actually talking to Garrett yesterday. 
on Xbox, like right before the game started, and he was like, "Oh my god, Zach hasn't set his lineup. Don't say anything in the sleeper chat. Don't say it until <laughs> the game started." Yeah. I want you to accidentally look at your phone. <laughs> uh, I, I was telling Cam, I usually look at all that at lunch at work, and my mm-hmm. boss had to freaking take me to lunch, so I couldn't have my phone out, and then I just <laughs> forgot. So it's too bad. But yeah, um, that that one hurt. I feel you. Moving on to our next matchup here. We had uh, Big R versus Camden. Um, and Camden ends up taking the matchup, but Big R made it kind of close, which is good. Uh, Camden won 5-3. to three. Five categories that he won were field goal percentage, three-pointers made, rebounds, blocks, and points. The three categories that Big R won were free throw percentage, assists, and steals. Gabe, what were your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, uh, I don't have a ton on this matchup. Camden's threes, um, he was, he's first overall in the week. Um, Buddy Heal and Jamal Murray were the snipers that led the way for his three-point barrage. They combined for 38 threes on the week. Um, for Big R's team, uh, had the worst blocks showing in the league, single-digit blocks. Um, usually that's reserved for Cam's team. So um, Shout yeah, out. Good, good job by... Uh, Big R's team. I think that the uh, the really telling sign here is that Tyrese Halliburton had the second most blocks on Big R's team with two this week, and neither Julius Randle nor Stephen Adams logged a block this week. And neither one of those guys are great shot blockers per se, but they are usually good for at least a couple blocks a week. And Big R has some uh, like a, a decent amount of bigs on his team. But um, none of them are really prominent defensive stat accumulators. And so, um, yeah, I just thought it was worth pointing out that Tyrese Halliburton was the second leading blocks player with two. Zach, did you uh, have any thoughts on this matchup? Uh, No, not really. Just uh, (laughs) Camden is in a better spot than me, and he could sneak his way in the playoffs. Yeah, Camden is uh, looking more and more like he's going to pull a uh, fantasy football, but I think Man, if he makes it, if he squeaks in and upsets and wins the league, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> Me too. No, I will I will legit have to go fight him and play. Like, there will be no other way. We'll have to set up a time and a place. <laughs> but that that's the thing about, like, these bottom teams that are, like, close to making it. Like, I feel like if my team somehow made it, if Camden or Ramsey somehow made it, it's not, like, an easy win for those top seeds. Like, it would still be close. Yeah, most of of them are, like, five threes, like, comfortably. But if one of those flips, then it could get awkward. Or, like, if, uh, I don't know, like, he's got Carl Anthony Towns that, um, like, could just start to blow up. You know, Pascal Siakam has been playing poorly. Like, he's, he's a couple players away from really, really being, um, like, a contender for a title. But, like I said, you never know once you get to playoffs. A lot can happen in a month of basketball. Yeah, no, I agree. Some injuries, too. Never yeah, know. injuries are scary. I'd like to point out that Zach included himself in that list that could sneak into the playoffs, but did not include the person that just beat him this week. And is higher in the was, standings than him. I was saying in our zone because me and Camden are below you, so I I figured it. Oh, uh, he just he, and he you included Ramsey. 
<laughs> well, Ramsey's at the bottom of the other side. Okay, so buddy. He has a better record than you. I was just looking physically <laughs> at it. Let's just. But I, I bet. Half, so. I bet Ramsey could make a team off of the waiver wire Dude. and compete with with players. I, I agree. He is amazing at finding potential players on this. Like, bro, he sold every player, and he. I looked at his <laughs> roster today, and I was like, I think I want like ten of those players. I don't, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> he is literally the thunder of our. <laughs> Of our fantasy league, oh, it was incredible. I wrote about it in uh, the little write-up that I did. <laughs> um, moving on to our next matchup here, we have uh, Bobby versus Ryan. Um, and this is coming off of I think last week we talked about you know you thought Ryan was one of the best teams in the league. Now Ryan ends up taking this matchup, uh, squeaking it out five to three. The five categories that he won were three-pointers made, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. The two, the three categories that Bobby won were field goal percentage, free throw percentage, and blocks. Um, so, Gabe, I know you have uh, a lot of respect for Ryan's team. What was your analysis of, uh, of, of this week's matchup? Yeah, I still think he has a really good team. Just for this week specifically, I want to watch Devontae Graham. Um, he's back starting for the Hornets with the injury to LaMelo Ball. And uh, we'll see if it can translate to better fantasy basketball production in the coming weeks. I know that he was um, a pretty elite producer in fantasy in the past. He has been. And so we'll see if he can um, like get anywhere close to that. Because if he does, like, it's going to be a, yet another factor for an already scary team moving forward. And if he can figure out how to shoot over, I don't know, 35 40% ever like he's going to be a lot better uh not just NBA player but fantasy player as well. Well, what's um, interesting about Devontae Graham is I feel like you know, the more minutes he gets is always helpful for counting stats, of course. Right. But I do I do think like, like you're talking about he's a horribly inefficient yeah. player. So does that mean he gets more shots off and is like going to further hurt the field goal percentage <laughs> right. there? I don't, I don't know. Right. That, that's what I'm hoping for, right? but I'm nervous. You yeah. know, like there's been a lot of things that haven't fallen that way. And honestly, streaky shooters are like the scariest thing to play against in fantasy basketball because like Norman Powell on a normal day is like, okay, I'm playing Norman Powell. But then Norman Powell dropping <laughs> 42 points on you and 10 threes loses you two categories and probably field goal percentage. So maybe three categories. So it's like they're terrifying to play against players like that because they can swing a category so fast. Yeah, I don't think Norman Powell was a good example because he's like been a, an absolute monster like okay, consistently. Rozier, you, have, you have a lot of players like that. Yeah, Rozier, bro. We got some chuckers. Team, some of your players, they're streaky. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. Russ. Like, pretty much any uh, I mean, yeah. yo, crazy, crazy stat about Russ. So this is pretty funny. He shot. He shot like 37% from three at the beginning of the season. And then last month he shot uh, 15% from three. And then this month uh, before tonight, he was shooting uh, 43% from three. So you want to talk yeah. about streakiness. That's uh that That's, hits it, the nail on the head right there. I, uh, yeah, I'm with you. It, it's very interesting, but definitely 
um, has some fantasy impact. For Bobby's team, um, he was the weakest three-point shooting team in the league this week. Tobias Harris actually led, the, led Bobby's team with eight threes on the week. And Trey Young only had three, so a bit of a down week for Trey Young. But, yeah, other than that, not much to say. I think the Bridges are uh, starting to lose value for the Architect. So um, no. we might need a, a a name change either late this season or early next season because it feels like Mikhail and, or who is it? Mikhail and Miles, both yeah. of them are starting to, um, I don't know, become a little bit less fantasy impactful in their respective roles on their teams. So, well, I also think that Miles... I also think Miles Bridges, like his fantasy value, or at least his highlight value, tied a lot yeah. to uh, Lamelo, and so yeah. I wonder what the impact that. there is. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, Lamelo gave them a nickname, but I, I'm forgetting it. Uh, anyway, it was like yeah, I can't remember. I don't, I don't remember. But yeah, no, you're right. I do agree. So, Zach, did you uh, have any thoughts on this matchup here? Yeah, um, it's just more of the playoff positioning. So, um, I mean, they're both in a decent spot. Bobby is at third right now at 52-42-2. Brian is at fourth, 51-42-3. So, they almost have identical records. Um, They're probably both going to make the playoffs unless they go on a poor streak or one of the lower teams just wins basically every matchup. Um, but just looking at the standings here for the playoffs, it's crazy to me, like, how close basically number three through, like, ten is. Like, you only have, like, eight or nine uh, categories in between those. Like, that's that's insane for how much we've already been playing, you know? Like, there's two bottom feeders and then two at the top, and then everyone else is pretty jam-packed in the middle. Like, obviously, they're better than the lower teams, but... Yeah, no, I'm with you. It is pretty concentrated in the middle. And I think the top teams are starting to fall a little bit, and some of the bottom teams are, like, making categories more competitive than they used to. So it's making uh, some things a little bit more... uh... Yeah, for whatever reason, I feel like it was a lot easier to 8-0 or get 8-0 at the start, but now it's, like, unheard of. Like, every matchup is, like, 5-3 at the very worst. Right. Unless you're Gary, then you're getting pounded. So, <laughs> you can see it. Uh, oh, did you even look at season long stats like in every category? I had no idea. That'll make Zach so mad because he's individually looking at player stats for like leaders. Well, so I I just clicked on standings in uh, in the ESPN on my desktop, which I usually do it through my phone, and it has a season stats right below the standings. I have no idea. Oh, wow. I'll, have to, I'll have to look at that later. Anyway, sorry to distract. No, I'm not going to that website on my desktop because it might make my computer explode. <laughs> um, You've been looking up stuff on your computer? Well, no. I was, <laughs> I was saying in regards to how bad the ESPN app is, I can't imagine how bad it is on the computer. Okay. Anyway. You still I'm anti-explaining jokes, but that's how I'm glad you explained yeah, it. Yeah, I had to. Yeah, I had to. Addy's sitting right here, too, so that would have been awesome. <laughs> um, moving on to our next matchup here. We have um, 
Ruth Bader Ginsburg versus Barnacle Boys. Um, so this is Nick versus Ramsey, right? I messed yeah. that up? Yeah. Nick versus Ramsey. Uh, they ended up tying this matchup for four. The four categories that Ramsey won were field goal percentage, rebounds, steals, and blocks. The four categories that Nick won were free throw percentage, three-pointers made, assists, and points. Uh, Gabe, what do you think about this matchup? Yeah, uh, this is kind of a bummer for Nick. You would hope to um, beat Ramsey by a little bit more than this and make up some ground on his team. But like I said before, Ramsey is uh, not going down without a fight. Um, on Nick's team, though, I really like the Malik Beasley pickup. I had picked him up, and then I was like, ah, I can't really afford to like still sit through the suspension. And so I I've redropped I've him, and I think he was originally, originally dropped by Daniel. But now he only has two games left on his suspension, and um, he was playing really well. He was probably the Bulls' second best player um, while he was healthy, and so uh, we'll have to see if he can make some noise for Nick's team. Jordan Poole, I also think, is going to be good in the short term because Curry is expected to be out another week, so um, not just the games that he's already gotten out of Poole, but also the games moving forward. And Poole was already getting like 20-ish minutes a night and playing pretty well, um, even with Curry there. So who knows? Maybe, maybe they can find that a rotation piece that has been lacking for the Warriors, and uh, maybe Poole can fill that role for uh, the Warriors and for Nick's fantasy team. Uh, for Ramsey, um, he did put up pretty weak showings in free throw percentage and assists, but that's unsurprising because those are two categories that are hard to meaningfully impact on the waiver wire. Assists are hard to find, and free throw percentage, like the guys on the waiver aren't getting to the free throw line that much. But I did write, teams should take notes on the types of players Ramsey has added, because even though like he literally had a fire sale on his team, he's still competing, he's still playing spoiler, and like legit, any any given week, he could win three or four categories off of any team in this league. And it is mind blowing to me. I think it's uh I think it's very funny that you like have a whole thing written out on all that, but I think it's actually really cool. But you're exactly right. Like every single time I'm about to go pick up a player or think I know about a player, uh I can't tell you how many times I just feel like I've been sniped by Ramsey. He's already on Ramsey's team. Yeah. yeah. I'll like look up, I'm like, Oh dude, I bet that guy's gonna be a good fantasy. Oh, he's already on Ramsey's team. Way to go. <laughs> It's awesome. Yeah, Ramsey just has to sit there like every week and look up like key players injured and who will be filling in or something. Yeah, I do it wonder. You know, Gabe, I you know you said to take note of the player, the kind of players that he's uh-huh. adding to his team. Do you do you think there's like a method there that he's following? Like, is it is it one of those things where it's like? Uh, so let me let me run down the list from what I see. I see rookie. Is Moses, is Moses Brown a rookie? He's not, but okay, he but might as young. well be. Yeah. Adoransky was already a better point guard than Kobe White, was just sitting behind Kobe White, and now he's starting. Um, let's see. Taylor Horton Tucker, that's like the injury feeling that Zach was getting at. And then Pokeshevsky, Josh Hart, uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker. So it's really just like young guys and guys who are sitting behind players who they are better than but the coach doesn't see it yet is kind of what i'm getting at 
Um, yeah, I was about to say that. Alexander Walker, I think, is who's playing. Lonzo's been out. So. Yeah, but he's better than Eric Bledsoe. And I think Kyra Lewis is better than Eric Bledsoe, too. Yeah. So, like, that's another player that, like, if the coach starts to see it, then maybe he'll get more minutes. You know, like, that's the kind of player that I think is important. Ramsey's. To- Ramsey's just uh he's just smarter than the coaches and he sees it before they do so yeah I don't know that's the kind of players you should be picking up it's also also like if you actually watch basketball you can see like oh wait this guy's actually making an impact on the court a hundred percent yeah like this you know like I don't know yeah no you're right uh Zach any thoughts on this matchup um the only thing I was gonna say for this one um it's pretty fitting it finished 4-4 for both the guys that are constantly making waiver pickups and <laughs> trying to stay competitive so it was a, a really good matchup and not that surprising going on to our last matchup here we may have to fight back some tears on the pod um <laughs> it was a brutal one we had gabe versus daniel and uh younger brother prevails uh daniel beats gabe Six to two. Uh, the six categories that Daniel won were field goal percentage, free throw percentage, three pointers made, rebounds, assists, and points. The two categories that Gabe won were steals and blocks. Really felt like a situation where uh, where he he looked at the matchup and he uh, had it circled on his calendar, and he was like, "I'm gonna get up for this matchup. This one's this one's worth it." <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. So I, I mean, I was talking to Daniel, and his team's really not even that bad. He just like waited till after the All Star break to like figure out, oh, this is how like you actually play fantasy basketball, and this is how you actually compete. But uh, yeah, just breaking down the matchup real quick. Field goal percentage. Daniel had the best field goal percentage in the league this week. Um, Giannis and Jimmy Butler combined to go sixty-eight for one hundred and twenty-one, which was a fifty-six percent shooting from the field. Giannis was also the Eastern Conference Player of the Week last week, so you already know I was pumped to play against him in fantasy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just I, another thing that I wrote was just it's just too little, too late for Daniel's team. You know, like I think that it's uh, it is unfortunate, but like some of these players, I mean, he's got DeRozan, Antetokounmpo, Butler. Like he hasn't made a ton of huge moves, and he drafted at least the top half of his roster decently. So if he had just strengthen the back half of his roster throughout the first half of the like season i think that this team could have been a lot more competitive than it ended up um for my own team uh weak categories points we were we were really we were the worst team in the league uh points wise this week and i think that was largely due to my two of my biggest points contributors are steph curry and anthony davis obviously anthony davis didn't play but steph curry is now missing games with his bruised tailbone so that definitely impacts my point output. And uh, like, I, it wasn't even really a case of low minutes for me. Like I didn't have a ton of like players missing necessarily. My, I had 13 or uh, 1,309 minutes total to Daniel's 1,329 minutes. So he had 20 more minutes than me, but like we were both middle of the pack as, across the league. Mm-hmm. And so like, it wasn't like a, it, it, we both used our waiver pickups. It was just like, his team outplayed mine in the limited minutes, and some of my key players um, were the ones that sat and got. I had to replace them with just inferior fantasy options. Is the bottom line. So, um, 
I have a lot of players who have good per minute production too, but they really rely heavily on like coaching decisions. So like, for example, Chris Boucher and Robert Williams, both like excellent per minute producers, but Nick Nurse doesn't necessarily trust Chris Boucher with huge minutes unless there's nobody else to play because defensively at times he's not great. And Robert Williams in the same way, they have other centers there, Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice, that sometimes take minutes that could go to Robert Williams, even though Williams puts up great counting stats. He is probably the third best defender of those three. He might be tied with Tristan Thompson, but like they're both not great defenders. And Tice is the real only defender that's any like like is is NBA caliber, like starting caliber right now. So it's frustrating because like on the one hand, you have really good fantasy games when they play 28, 30 minutes a night. But on the other hand, it's like when they start to play 17, 19 minutes a night and they're getting three rebounds and a block, like it's it, it, it makes it frustrating and difficult to tell if I should hold them. And uh, like, I don't know, it's it's getting these like high upside bench players is a lot harder than just like plug and play starters. And so I think that's where I'm at with my team is just I need to uh, like consistency throughout the playoffs is going to be key so I don't get upset. And uh, I need to figure out a way to limit some of the volatility of some of these players and the stats that they put up. Well, how does it uh, how does it feel knowing that you have the self-proclaimed greatest defender of all time on your team? Draymond Green. I don't know. He was getting into it with Tony Allen I earlier saw. today on Twitter too. So uh, I saw that was awesome. I, I think he's a good defender. I just, I mean. I'm glad that he thinks he's the best defender because maybe he has uh, something to prove and he'll get an extra block or an extra steal. But <laughs> do I think that's a realistic, uh, a realistic fact? No. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, Zach, any thoughts here? Just uh, f- fratricide. Look that up. <clears throat> what is it? Are you? Is that really how you're going to describe this matchup? Just look up fratricide. Give us, give us something else, please. <clears throat> that that's the act of killing one's own brother. That's what. <laughs> oh my gosh! Nice. <laughs> and then you can just know, pick up all of his like players. That. It's like when you uh, load up Madden against your younger brother, and it's a trap game because he's been playing for <laughs> yeah. a long time. No, I, I mean. Like, like Gabe said, I just played Daniel, what was it, last week or the week? No, it was, I guess. Yeah, it was last week, week, I think. Yeah, and, I, like, I was expecting to win, like, 6-2, maybe 7-1. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm about to lose this matchup. Like, he's he's much better now. I think he understands how it works. His players are healthy. Uh, I don't know what was going on the first half of the season. I wish that's when I had played him, but it's yeah, actually not a bad team. Like yeah. all these teams now can compete basically except big R at this point. So what, um, was there any, uh, smack talk between y'all Gabe or any trash talk? A little bit. Get on Xbox. He would be like, Hey, you see that I'm winning? Like, he would, like say something <laughs> <about> <laughs> what a Daniel trash talk moment. <laughs> hey, uh, do you see I was winning? <laughs> <laughs> but nothing nothing too crazy, nothing too crazy <laughs> that's sure. awesome that's awesome um okay awesome anything else here boys i mean no mm. i guess no. we covered it all throughout the uh the beginning and the end here yeah zach do you have the league leaders or should we plan on doing that for the next pod 
you can do it next pod. I didn't write it down today. Okay. Well, let's plan on doing that for the next pod because we have been kind of keeping up with that, and I think it's super interesting. Um, but awesome. Well, the trade deadline is this Friday. Honestly, I am so hoping that there's not more smoke than fire. I hope we get a ton of trades. Uh, that would be oh, that would be really fun. What time is it on Friday? Do you know? Is I thought it was Thursday at two Eastern, but I could be wrong. That sounds like a lot more official. We're gonna go. It's uh, trade deadline is Thursday at two p.m. Eastern time, um, according to Gabe. And so, be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for any moves that are gonna uh, hurt or help you in the fantasy department. Uh, and we'll be back next week to talk about all those moves. It should be a should be a good time. Yeah, it's Thursday at 2 Central, so they got a day and a half now. So, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming we'll see some stuff tomorrow and then probably some stuff right before the deadline Thursday morning. So, All right. Maybe uh, trades fall in your favor. Yeah, let's hope we don't overpay for Drummond or something. (laughs) We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the pod.